Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my good friend, Pat Mayo, to shoot the shit on all the things that we love to talk about. Golf, creating content, how content is changing, how our content can be better, all, all that good stuff. You guys know that I love to talk to Pat. He's probably one, of my, uh, probably one of my best friends in this little industry that we have called home, so I hope that you guys enjoy it. If you like the program, you can always get bonus episodes by subscribing to patreon.com slash TakeCast. You can also support the show by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or just telling a friend about the program. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone. It's been a while. We're back. The The football season well underway. We're at, we're at a pause in the golf season. So one Mr. Patrick Mayo has some time for us here on the program. Always, uh, always good to talk to my good friend, Pat Mayo. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. The PGA season isn't actually at a pause. I just don't feel like covering this week's tournament. The the what what it, it was CJ Cup last week. You couldn't even watch it on TV. Rory won. What what is it this week? The the Bermuda Championship with number top ranked player in the field, Denny McCarthy. I I hey we love we love Denny McPutts. I actually this is such a good topic for you and I to talk about. I don't think you and I have talked about the lib stuff at all. I think the last time we did one of these. I believe it was when the guys had started signing, but they had not played an event yet. And I, I, I don't even really know what you what you think about the lib. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk about this. Well, you, you can hit me with anything. I just released a show on the Pat Mayo experience. It, I mean, show is a very loose term. Sure. Jeff, Tim and I ended up talking at the end of our spread show for like 40 minutes about live and PGA just randomly. So we recorded it and released it as a show. Uh, some off color off-color uh, language in that show. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, what do you think of it? Like, I, I, it's difficult for me to parse because I see all the, the Twitter heroes out there, right? Sure. And, you know, they're very anti-live. Like, oh, you know, how could you ever? Ed, this isn't real competition. How could anyone ever take the money? This is just an outrage. You know, I'm so morally outraged, I'm never going to stop talking about it, is essentially what, what I gather from the sphere of the internet that I'm in. But then I have my dad asking me, me like, Justin, Dustin Johnson's not on the PGA Tour anymore? Where is he playing? Like, he, he like asked me about it. He's like, yeah, is he winning? Like, what's going on here? So, like, 
there's interest in it, but not really. Like he's not actually going to tune into YouTube to actually watch it. So I don't, I don't care, I guess is where I'm at. I think it sucks that it's turned the PGA into a, it's like the remember for years in fantasy baseball, we'd always talk about those like quad a player, like Alex Gordon yes. was like the ultimate quad a player. The PGA tour feels like the quad a tour now. And the, the live tour feels like the double a baseball. <laughs> so, so I have uh predictably, I have a lot of takes. So in, in order, my first take would be, I hate Saudi Arabian and Qatari involvement in professional sports to begin with it's actually a much bigger problem in european soccer which as longtime listeners of the show know is actually my favorite sport but no one cares to hear my takes about that sport so we don't we don't do a ton of it on this show and the uh the the sovereign wealth of those large middle eastern oil states has has basically made that sport uh, a joke i mean there really are only like four or five teams who can truly be the best in the world because of the amount of money involved so i already had a distaste for the group that put together the live before that and in general i also uh i don't it's like uh, but i'm definitely not one of those people that acts that like sodern uh saudi uh you know sovereign wealth is like that different than american wealth right like to to think that these uh you know multi-billion dollar organizations that are putting together and sponsoring the pga tour are also not committing like wide-scale fraud and crimes and things like that is is also a joke like corporations are just as bad as mega states so it's like oh and also i have no problem with the guys taking the money zero harold varner get the bag right at like literally could like put me in that same position if if you know the the shake is listening to this show and he wants to sponsor me for five million dollars a year to do the official live tour podcast like send me an email dude i am i am more than that no no issue with the guys taking the money like like i think that um having the issue with the proletariat is is the wrong way to view it but my biggest takeaway is the same takeaway as yours, which is it just makes golf shittier. The tournaments are shittier. The best players are not all playing together. Who knows what ends up happening with the official world golf rankings. Uh, our, our friends over at No Laying Up have d- did a lot of great coverage of the court case, which was involved with the official world golf rankings. And like following sports should not require knowledge of like antitrust laws and shit. Like that's not fun. It's just, it's just, at the end of the day, it just sucks. I mean, there's really no way around it. It just sucks for golf. It'd be great for the majors if the majors yes. decide, hey, let's let these guys in. I And I don't know if it's actually be a boost to the ratings, but I think it would maintain the ratings. And if you don't have the live guys in there, I think you're going to lose some ratings, not because people are clamoring to see Brooks and Bryson and Dustin, but you know, in a way that they are. But it just creates such fun storylines at the majors if one of these guys gets into it. Like Cam Smith just won the open championship before he went and he's going to go defend the open championship next year. And he always plays well at the masters. Like what if Cam Smith is in the final group at the masters or you have like Dustin, Cam Smith, Bryson Brooks and Rory and Rom. I mean, that's like the ideal pairing. We have these guys that are like really pro PGA taking on four live guys for a major championship. Like that's what I want to see. I think that would be great. And I think the majors are in a position now where they can tell the PGA to go fuck themselves. Be like, hey, we're going to have the four best fields of the year. Not that we already didn't, but now we really do. Basically, why would anyone watch any other tournaments when you can watch these four? And I think they're in a great position, a position Which, of power that way. But they're not going to do it. I guarantee you. Like, this official world golf rankings thing is so stupid. Like, to think that 
look, you get points for like winning on the corn ferry tour and anyone's like, Oh, it's illegitimate. It's a 54 hole exhibition. Like they have legit, like 25 of the best 60 players in the world. Like let's not pretend like these guys aren't good. So let them into these tournaments. <laughs> um, I think that would probably be the side that I would end on just as someone who likes to watch great golf. I, I would prefer to have all of these guys eligible, uh, you know, to play and, and, at the end of the day, for golf as an entity, I mean, what what you you would actually probably know this. Like, what percentage of people who watch golf only watch the four major championships? Like, it's got to be a huge percentage, right? I, I I don't have the actual numbers, but I'd say it's well over fifty percent. <laughs> so so at, so at the end of the day, for golf as like a product, it it probably is not the worst thing in the world. The issue is is like no one is watching these live events. It's like no. less, le- less people are watching like the live event than watch like a Joey Ingram live stream. Like it's, it's really, really poor. And, and it's not as if people are piling in to watch, you know, the rocket mortgage classic or anything either. Like, like cache of these uh, like not even, not even secondary, but like third tier PGA events has also got to be like stone dead. Yeah, it's funny because people, let's see, that's the tour championship, 4 million viewers on NBC, down from last year. I can't imagine what the ratings for the Zozo were, like well, overnight you, 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 on you the couldn't golf e- channel. You couldn't even watch, or no, that was the CJ Cup that you couldn't even watch. Yeah, I didn't quite understand that because I saw a lot of really weird discourse about like, well, da-da-da-da-da, like why would they show it to us and all this stuff, like if they're not making money. It's like, you really think the LPGA makes fucking money? You think the Seniors Tour makes money? You broadcast the Corn Ferry Tour. You think that makes money? No, but you have full crews there and you're showing that. You can't show it. The PG, the the CJ Cup is essentially the marquee PGA event of the swing season. It's the yeah. only time you're going to get all these guys in one place. And like, nah, we'll show it for two hours. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Rory, like, like I would have, I would have been watching that event. Rory, Rory winning, like I would have been watching. I would have been tuned into that. I think. I mean, I guess probably not on a Sunday, but I would have watched on. I would have watched some of it on a Saturday. I think. I would have had it on on Thursday and Friday. Now I'm in a minority of that. A lot of people during these times are at work or whatever. But I mean, how is that any different than any Thursday during the season? Right. Yeah. It's not. I mean, that's kind of that. Like that's like the role of a lot of these tournaments is like you just you have it on. It's good. It's good. I mean, golf is like probably the best background noise in uh, in the world, actually. Like that would that would probably be my go to. Oh, I love taking a nap on like a Thursday afternoon and watching some golf in the background, waking up and like, how are my guys doing? Oh, they lost. Great. Yeah. So I guess I mean, honestly, probably in the end, the best the actual best solution is to allow the, the live guys to play their their shitty live events. And then also come back and play and, and, you know, at, at Bay Hill and, and WGCs and stuff like, like that, that, which I don't know if the PGA tour would ever do, but that is the best solution. That that's exactly where I landed too. Like this all ends with the merging, right? Well, depends on how stubborn the PGA tour wants to be, but that, that to me seems like, you know, the, the Saudis win this round, they get to have their stupid exhibition, which again, you know, you, you point out you point out the hypocrisy in people's logic is like the PJ Tour is in bed with the the people in Dubai, you know, like it's literally called the race to Dubai, the the European tour stuff, and they play Euro uh, events there and stuff. So it's not it's like not that different. 
it, the optics are way different. And I guess that's what people are really coming down on. But I felt like the European tour really missed a big opportunity here because they could have said they ended up signing some sort of like new partnership with the PGA. Yeah, they, the they, PGA. they bent they bent the knee to the PGA instead of bending the knee to the Saudis. I mean, they didn't have to bend the knee to the Saudis. They could have just said, hey, if you want to get some world rankings points, sure. Justin Johnson, why don't you come play in the the Mallorca championship or whatever it is. Hey, well, we need some people for the Portugal masters. You guys are free to come play. I'm like juice up these events. Cause I mean, the European tour is dying a slow death anyway. It's not like the PGA is really going to help them. Oh, great. We're going to have more players at the Genesis Scottish open. Fantastic for once a year. Like they're not playing in the Nordia masters or any of these garbage tournaments. And frankly, most of the top guys who would be at the Nordia masters are guys that are just going to the PGA tour. There's more spots on the PGA tour. Like you're going to see even like your next tier of European players. Cause it'd be crazy not to go chase the money. Like Adrian Morong and Thomas Peters and all these guys, hell Yannick Paul, if he can play his way on, like they're just all going to be on the PGA tour. Who was going to be left on the DP world tour. If you had the live guys there, you juice up the prize pools. You'd you'd probably get an influx of Saudi money coming in to juice up the prize pools. Yeah. They'd get their world rankings points. Like I, I guess they were content with being the number two, in the world tour, like, but you look at some of these DP fields, like they're not stronger than corn fairy fields at this point. Like, Oh, so they're, I, they're bad. They're bad. I bet on some of these events. Cause data golf has like the numbers for all of them. And it's just like, you know, when it, like data golf gives you like massive EV on like some guy with nine recorded rounds at 150 to one. Like I, I bet on some of that, but I'm not, I'm not watching them. I'm not watching these rando, you know, I'm not watching the Nordia masters for sure. It would be cool, though, because I really like watching the DP World Tour. And this is the case with me having little kids and being up early on weekends. But just the layouts of these courses in these different countries, I find is really cool. Like, that's the one thing I actually liked about what I saw about the CJ Cup on the weekend was Congaree is a really cool course to watch. It just looks so... That's actually what I like about the European Tour, too, is that their courses look way better on TV. It's not that they look way better. It's just they don't all look the same. And that's yeah. what I find what happens like once you get through. Like, even Bermuda is going to be a little bit different, but it looks like every resort course. Like there's no difference between, I mean, there is obviously, between the Bermuda course and Mayakoba and Coca Beach and all the ones that they play in the Caribbean. They all look exactly the same. And then you see one in Austria versus one in France versus one in Portugal versus one in Sweden. It's like, okay, this is pretty cool. At least you're getting different looks every single week. And there's something to the, at least visual optics of that, that I really like. Now, I doubt that most people are tuning in for something like that, but just, it was a, such a stark difference to see Congaree this week where it just, it looks like a different course. I mean, that's always one of the fun things about majors, isn't it? Like you have Augusta, yeah. Augusta doesn't look like anything else. And when you go to these courses, yeah, the production value is much higher. Obviously they're probably in better shape just because it's a major championship, all eyes on that course, but they do a good job of rotating between the majors courses where they're all different. And that's cool to see. I mean, they, I, I think you're right. I mean, that's, that would be like any, anytime I would watch a European tour event, it would be, largely spurred on by just kind of wanting to see a different golf course like don't don't ever need to see the detroit golf club again basically <laughs> you know like it's just these these courses are like not interesting and these guys just destroy them like there's kind of like that other element of the european tour uh is like the guys are not as good so they miss a lot more shots like like you could you could see a guy you know making some hack out of the rough and you're like oh been there buddy been <laughs> there you know whereas like you you watch the pga tour these guys are are they're just uh, I mean, uh, on a lot, you know, at the 
the uh, uh what's the 3m open it's like these guys just like literally have birdie butts on every single hole and it's not it's not nearly as enjoyable yeah well that's what we had this week in Mallorca with the with the dp world tour i was watching some of the end of that like it was such an easy course and then guys were just struggling on sunday like there's no there's no better bet that you can make than like guys six strokes back heading into sunday on the european tour at like 60 to 1 70 to 1 and be like well they could theoretically do this because the guy in the lead might eight putt a hole or something yes which is it's great i mean like watching watching professional golfers struggle at golf is uh, like that's got to be what uh, uh, the number three thing that people love to watch about about professional golf i mean the first is like obviously the the incredible drives from the from the rory's and the bryson's and stuff i probably the second thing probably the number two thing that people like to see no i I think short game really gets there like just think about all the memorable shots that you can think of from golf like what do you think is the most memorable shot that like just you think golf shot this appears in your mind it's got to be the tiger chip on 16 at augusta right Oh, I was thinking the for for me it uh is the tiger putt on the island green at uh at TPC the the better the most. Just like when you just when you just said most memorable golf shot, that was that was it for me. Okay. I mean, essentially they all just involve Tiger. It's funny to hear his not silence on this issue, but he's really stayed away from all of this. And I think he's the key to kind of unifying everything here that if you know what tiger says is going to go i thought it was hilarious last week they inter- I the fire pit collective ended up interviewing robert garrigus and he called the pga executive team just a bunch of goobers who don't know what they're doing <laughs> kind of seems that way right it, it yeah. does kind of seem like they were blindsided by this they didn't realize it was coming they didn't really know what to do honestly it feels like without rory like kind of like just like deciding that this was his situation to solve that they would not have done anything that like that like literally nothing would have changed no rules would have changed not there would not have been more money added to prize pools like they would have just hoped for the best agreed i mean this is essentially when phil came out and said everything about why he wanted to do this this was the end result that he wanted it got the pga guys more money yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I am uh, hesitant to paint Phil as like a folk hero here, uh, but it, it is true. I mean, certainly there there's no doubt about it. Yeah, wh- whether that was his actual goal or not, at least that was the tale his PR team told him to spin at the onset of this, and it, it ended up being true. So, you know. what a what a great run out for Phil to end his career, getting getting the the last major, and then. And then just getting to get buckets of money so that he can just speculate wildly for the rest of his life. I mean, just pretty perfect. It's pretty hilarious, too, because he got that major victory. So I think that the majors will have to honor any people who are exempt into the majors, regardless of world status. Right. Yeah. Like if you've won the Masters, I assume Augusta is still going to continue to invite you. Yes. So, so Phil would be there for life. He has an open championship, which keeps him in the open championship until he's 60, I believe. And then after that, he can still be given exemptions if he's still somewhat competitive at that time. But the PGA championship victory, I mean, he had a lifetime exemption into that for being the champion, but this gives him either, I think it's an extra five years into the U S open. It's it's five, it's five years when you win, when you win a major. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in that for another five until he's like 56 or something. So we're still going to be seeing a ton of fill in the future. Well, not on Saturdays and Sundays, but definitely, definitely. Oh, you, on- don't, you don't think Phil's going to have a run at one of these open championships like every other really good old guy? 
Uh, I mean, I guess he could. His game, I guess the thing about Phil is he's one of those guys who did actually figure out how to add some distance. So maybe it would be, it would be okay. Um, I mean, he, he obviously is very wayward off the tee. Is Bryson still shitty? I'm not, I don't think I've seen Bryson play uh, a shot of golf in a long time. You know, I don't really follow Liv, so I don't know. Like, I have no interest in watching it. <laughs> no, it's 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 hor- it's it's uh it's uh it's it's really really bad. Uh, I mean, I'm still not really over Rory not winning the Open Championship. That was that's probably one of my least favorite um golf experiences of my life is him not winning that. Cam Smith played so well on Sunday. He, oh, he totally. I'm not trying to take anything away from Cam Smith, but like. I mean, Rory's one of my, I don't know, five favorite athletes of all time, probably. So to see him not get there was was pretty frustrating. Well, he just won the back-to-back CJ Cups. That's basically the same thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> same same thing. Okay. Uh, in, in, in the world of content, are you engaging in all these mega shows right now? Or any of them and or House of Dragon, Rings of Power? Oh, Dragon House. Yeah, I'm in on Dragon House. Yeah, that's the one I haven't. I mean, I'm watching it. (laughs) That's the one I haven't watched. That's the one I haven't watched. Uh, I did. I haven't seen the season finale yet. My wife and I, I mean, in full disclosure, I I assume people are listening to this on a Wednesday. We're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. But I have not watched the season finale yet, so I can't really weigh in on that. It's fine. I like it. Like, it kills an hour. It's not as good as Game of Thrones. It's it's about as good as, like, the last season of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Put it that way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last season of Game of Thrones wasn't bad. It, it was, was just the really last sh- episode. No, it was just really shitty compared to the rest of Game of Thrones. Like if that was just a stand, like that, that's the thing you get compared to yourself. It's like season five of The Wire. Season five of The Wire is a fine season just compared to seasons one through four of The Wire. It's not very good. <laughs> so do you consider the last, the what would it, the seventh season of Game of Thrones to be the last like really great piece of television created? I don't know, because I haven't really been keeping up on as much television. I would say season six. What was the one that ended, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones, but the one where Cersei blows up everyone at the church? That's the end of season six, right? Uh, I stopped watching at the end of season five. Uh, That's so... when Jon Snow dies, right? Yes. Yeah. Is, so that does, was... he, does he die at the end of season five? or he, he, They stab him at the end of season five, comes back. And yeah, the end. the last episode of season six, if that's the episode I'm thinking of, Maybe it's the second to last episode, the one where Cersei blows up Marjorie, her son, the the sparrows and all that. That's a great episode. Great soundtrack on that episode, too. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was the last that was my last experience of it. And I would I mean, Game of Thrones was great. Uh, I obviously I mean, kind of kind of nostalgic for the yesteryear of like monoculture, because like I, we've talked about this. I mean, it just truly doesn't exist. And I would actually maybe even say because uh because game of thrones was was a uh, premium cable it might not it might not have even been monoculture like maybe even breaking bad was the last one no no I mean, fewer people have amc than yeah I, I guess i guess that's true yeah <laughs> but no game of thrones was uh i think it was getting like 20 something million viewers live plus everyone who would be catching up on it at the same time so i don't know what house of dragon does i assume it's all right they're spending a ton of money on it you watch the the little hobbit show I did watch the Little Hobbit show. How's um, that? I, I hate Lord of the Rings, so really I, just not for me. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why? What? What's Lord... your? What's? What's your? You? I, that gets just not very. It's not really your thing. Yeah, it's I, just I totally, not my jam. Like yeah, I, it's I just watch, not your jam. 
I, I watched the three movies. I think readings for nerds, so you know I'm completely out on reading. Yeah, I don't. Even, I think I think uh, last I heard you you had forgotten how to read. You passed. Yeah, I don't know you, how to read anymore. Yeah, but yeah, I watched the first three movies. Like they were okay, I guess. People really like them. It, it's the same. Maybe it's I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just never got into it. I find it like taxing to watch. It's just it's not met. It's not made for me. So I no. have no real I have no real opinion on it if it's good or bad either way. I'm not watching it. So I don't really care. People can love it as much as they want. It's sort of the same thing with like Harry Potter. Never quite understood how Harry I think it's the exact age that I was yes. when Harry Potter first came out. Like the only people my age that were into Harry Potter were girls. Like guys weren't yes. like when I was in the ninth grade and tenth grade. You know, the, the guys on the football team and weren't lining up to read Harry Potter. And like it was either for little kids or like teenage girls at that age. And now it's like so old, like everyone's kind of into it. But I remember watching those movies, too. I had a girl like when I was in college, me and my girlfriend went to go see the final two movies that came out. And I think those were the only two ones that I saw. And she was really into it. She was older than me, too. So I was probably 24 five at the time it was when i was in broadcasting school she was like 29 or 30 and she was like obsessed with harry potter and then like we had to break up because i was like you're a full-grown adult like what are you doing i loved so harry potter came out right at the right age for me i want to say i was eight i was gonna say seven or eight when, yeah and when I, the first I would have been book. like 15 or 16 yeah so i i read all the books um saw all the movies and everything now unfortunately uh those books have not aged very well and and jk rowling has as um decided to become like a take master like her her job now is just to like have takes and a lot of the takes are not very good oh her her transphobia i i like following this online it's like i will never read harry potter again it's like sales through the roof on harry potter it's like i was having this discussion the other day that's like and it's not new like it's not a new conclusion for anyone but what you see on the internet is just, it's fake news. It's not real life. Well, yeah, Twitter's not a real place, right? I mean, that is a, is a very good reminder. It's like Twitter is not a real place. That like, like I would, I would assume that if I brought up JK Rowling to one of my friends in real life, they would like have no idea. They, they just would not know that this is JK Rowling's new persona. Yeah. Um, but I also, even before, even before she became like a take master, I had kind of grown out of caring about the books. Like I never, like, yeah, cause once... you're in your fucking thirties Davis. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I, I not, not the same with Lord of the Rings. I still find Lord of the Rings. I'm, I'm actually rereading it right now. Um, cause I hadn't read it since I was a kid and I wanted to reread it after watching the show, which they clearly spent like literally a billion dollars on, but it, it is not very good. Um, oh, oh, it's not. No, no, it's really not. These writers didn't do a great job. Uh, even, even outside of like, so there are like three categories of people who don't like the show. One category is the people who just need to get offline, who are mad that there are, you know, women and, and people of color in the show, because that's, that's not what Tolkien would have wanted. <laughs> then there are the even nerdier people who are like, this isn't what Tolkien would have written. This doesn't make sense. And if you go back and read the 13th appendix of Lord of the Rings, this is clearly not true. And then there are the people that fall in my category, which is like generally interested in Tolkien, like the movies, like the books, uh, but just find it to be like a logically inconsistent show, which is what it is to me. That tracks. But the first two groups of people you don't have to care about because they're going to watch either way. 
Yes, I the people who the people who are mad that there are black elves are watching the show anyway. Yeah, no no doubt of it. And they'll watch they'll watch every episode the day it comes out. Yeah, like I get emails every single week from people who are like hate my show but can tell me every single thing that happened in my show. I'm like, yeah, that's great, man. Thanks for watching. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for yeah. Uh it, it's which is uh I mean it's not a very healthy way to live. I, I think that's one of the the things I've really tried to change is just arguing with people less online. Haven't been in a good Twitter war in a while, which feels good. I don't think that I've been in a Twitter war in like 10 years. I just gave it up when I, I, I just don't care. It, I mean, it's uh it's it's a very it's a very good way to live is, is to just like just I don't know. I mean, and like there you can still be terminally online the way i'm terminally online without like purposely seeking out things that make you mad there's just no reason to engage with it yeah i've really switched to i've been actively seeking out things that make me happy rather than make me mad just it, interesting life philosophy i know it's really been wonderful to tell you the truth like i'm not i'm not on twitter as much i'm on reddit more but specifically the like four things that i'm interested in in life reddit is great for that reddit like uh like go to the reddits of things that you like type all, all people who enjoy it with you i i don't even post on reddit really Me but neither. i just i just have an account and i just read about things that i'm excited about things that i like and it is it's it's it is a nice way to live instead of just getting in like flame wars i did i don't know how i because i think someone tagged me in something uh, they were like, oh, Pat, they're talking about you on Fantasy Football Reddit. So it's like, okay, I'm intrigued. Let me go check out Fantasy Football Reddit. Like, oh, my God. And I messaged you and Pete after your show last week when Pete said that he finally came to the revelation that, like, these waiver wire columns and these questions that he gets. Because Feinberg was freaking out about it on my show because I – and I, I had to defend, you know, my my content people out there. I forget what week it was. It was like – I don't know. One of the one of the running back. I think it was Ken Walker. Actually, it's like you know every waiver wire column says pick up Ken Walker, but Ken Walker's not available in like any real league. It's like that yeah. is not true. He is most definitely available in like eighty percent. Not this week, but like the week that Penny went down, he was available in like eighty percent of leagues. And like those are the people that actually consume the content because they need to know. They don't just know to go pick this guy up like i even did a, a waiver column this week and I, I had to put a note in at the top because like michael carter was owned in like seven, 68 percent of leagues or something so he couldn't qualify for my list it's like above plus or minus 50 percent. so if you're under you can make the list i had to put an addendum at the top just in case people are playing in these leagues like hey if michael carter is available like spend all your fab on him like he's the number one pickup by far that's what that's what I do when I do my waiver wire show. I don't spend any time on it, but like I, because I just go position by position. So it'll be like at running back, uh, if if Tony Pollard's out in your league, if Ken Walker's out in your league, if Michael Carter's out in your league, just spend all your fab and get them. And then I don't give any more analysis uh, after that because you're right. I mean, the people who knew about Kenneth Walker as like a guy coming out of Michigan State and yada yada, like they don't they don't need to listen to your waiver wire show, dude. They already know. Yeah. Like, like, who do you think the content is like that? That's a position that you need to put yourself in always is who is the content actually for the content is act. It depends on what the content is. So I think you said something like, you know, you focus more on like high stakes waiver wire, which I would have, if I was on the show, which I am now, but about like, why the fuck do high stakes people need to listen to your show to know who to pick up? 
Well, so the answer to that would be is a lot of these guys who play in like the FFPC main event, they like co-manage teams and stuff like they it's kind of like there's like a whole online community of people who like playing in a lot of fantasy football leagues or their hobby. And maybe they don't need to know your thoughts about grant calcaterra or whatever but they just it's kind of like their comfort food listening you know okay but but how many but how many like you're thinking about the market share that you're going after here it's i remember talking to nick uh big dog gotta eat about this a while ago and he was talking about like dynasty and like i I told him like i would rather be the 27th biggest fantasy football show covering season-long fantasy football than the number three dynasty show because the market just isn't comparable at in any metric like if you're the number, if you can be the best, the biggest one or two dynasty fantasy football show, that's great. That's a great spot to be in. You own the niche market. A lot like me in golf in a weird way between me and Rick and the tour junkies and Kenny and Tambo, like the four of us, we're probably like the four of the four of the biggest shows. I'm sure I'm missing someone in there. I apologize for that if I've missed your name, but it's everyone competing for this really small pool of viewership. Like fantasy golf isn't that big. There's only so many, there's only, and there's like 3000 podcasts about it now. So it's like really diluting the market down there. But if you can be at the top of it, it's very beneficial. Whereas something like fantasy season long fantasy football, it's a huge market. You could be the 30th biggest one. And that's still great. I mean, I kind of tend to more subscribe to like the, the thousand true fans uh, theory of, of building this stuff. But also again, it like, to me, it's like, I kind of just do what I enjoy because you I'm can. a sa- well, yeah, I'm a salaried employee and I kind of get the direction like they're kind of just like do what you want to do and 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 get the results that you get. Um, whereas if I was if I was, uh, you know, if I was going to be like, all right, I'm going to go do my own thing, I would probably take a different approach. Although, I mean, Pete, who makes like my favorite, like Pete makes my favorite content and he kind of does the true thousand fans model like he he kind of does the sh- stuff for grinders you know he's not he, he does but pete pete this year with like being on serious and doing yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the newsletter and stuff like that he's also doing the other side of it too like i would say that my wednesday like the stuff that i do with tim and jeff in terms of football like that's thousand i mean it's, it's more than that but it's like thousand true fan content like there's no actual i mean there's some i suppose but there's very little actionable info in our spread show but people love listening to the spread show because it's just a different vibe our new sunday night show which i've had a blast doing that's another like you know three thousand true fans type thing are gonna tune into that they're gonna watch it they're gonna consume it and they're gonna absolutely love it but my show with Sealy, where I debate the rankings every week, is the show that does the biggest viewership. Like you, like that's the net to pull people in. If you're only doing niche content, then it's going to be hard to grow your brand because there's only so many grinders in a niche market. So I think what Pete's doing is pretty genius, to tell you the truth. Like sticking to his his core of what he does best, the the stuff that he loves to do, but also being now able to branch out into this like wider community of fantasy football to try to bring some of those people in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is probably GTO is like you you cast a wide net and maybe you you convert a couple grinders, right? Maybe maybe you know two percent of the people that you you bring in via that then become you know loyal loyal grinders or whatever. And I mean, I I would definitely argue I like am not necessarily doing things in a GTO way because mostly the content I do is stuff that I want to do as opposed to like specific. Uh, specific marketing stuff 
Um, oh, really? I, I, did, I just clicked on your Twitter page and you're doing fucking Twitter threads. Oh, but I will. I like that. That's that's I mean, honestly, it's very useful for me to go through every team's uh, like snaps and usage like that. That's a great spot for me to set up my whole week of everything. But sure. yeah, that's that's sure. sure but, you're, but, but, but you're not doing it to to absorb more people into your content. I am. And it's it's uh, probably the most successful thing I've done in like the last year. It's un, I, it the 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 algorithm not only rewarding that but then people also being into it is like incredible to me i i was because i mean sal does it you do it um holka obviously does it and i've i've seen their subscriber base really grow because of it so it's obviously very effective at what it's doing i wonder about the quality of people who follow you because of oh it's gotta that. be gotta be almost lowest common denominator type stuff I don't know. Like, are they people who I I really don't have any data. I'd be very curious to know about that. And you know, if it was really effective, then I would start doing it too. Don't get me wrong. Like, I I think probably a lot of the people who like it are people who don't have subscriptions to fantasy content. You know, they don't pay for uh, ETR or whatever, and they just like quick, digestible. This is why my guy didn't score very many fantasy points, or this is why this guy did score a lot of fantasy points, and this is who might score a lot of fantasy points next week. Like it's probably like very casual people who are interested in fantasy football, but not interested enough to like pay for a subscription. How, what do you think the conversion rate on those people is in terms of getting them to sign up for something that you have? Pretty low, just because in general Twitter conversion rates are very low. I mean, Twitter is Twitter is really bad uh see everyone has said that everyone said like instagram and even tiktok at this point are more like you get more conversions but i've had a lot of success with twitter conversions maybe that's just me that that could just be your specific model it could be you got in at the right time also i would say people who play dfs have to be like the most subscription happy people like literally in the world like these people are just willing to dump money into subscriptions like they just like belonging to things well, people should subscribe to runthesims.com slash mayo for 10% off, by the way. Very happy with how the product is going. Yeah. How's your how's your uh, NFL DFS season gone? Winning. Winning this year. I'd love that for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I keep trying to qualify for King of the Beach because I keep chasing it. And I've come inside the top five four times in seven weeks. Can't get that first place, though. Have you, uh, what's your, what's your uh, general general strategy process stuff been like? Uh, I stop playing like 40 lineups. I build three lineups every single week. So the three that go into my contest, and I try to build like three separate, like one, like some weeks I'll play 20 lineups and like one of the smaller contest, contest 20 max entry, but I'll build like my two main lineups and then a third kind of out there lineup. I'm playing like the 150, uh, 700 person every single week. I'm playing like the, the $50, like thousand person, like the smaller versions of the bigger contests. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a pretty good ROI from it. Uh, the, the big talking point this year amongst uh, true nerds has been like what to do with these 60% projected own running backs. Uh, well, what was Jacobs this week? 35? No, he was... He, he's the most owned player I think I've ever seen in the Millie Maker. I think he was 40% in the Millie Maker. He was 58% in the Spy, which is the big $100. Yeah, you needed them, though, as it turned out. Turned out. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I did not uh, I did not play. I did play Ken Walker at, like, 40% or whatever. I mean, I, uh, I, I am, I'm generating a little bit of frustration because normally by week seven, 
in a season I've already had a good sweat or one something has not happened for me yet this year. So we are we are very slowly bleeding right now, which uh, does not feel great. Uh, I've had a couple good sweats so far, but again, it's very limited, right? Like if you're only playing three lineups and, you know, you, you, I like I whiffed hard this week. Like I didn't, I returned zero dollars, but you know, I was only in for like 450 or something like that. So that sucks, but I'm still up over the course of the year. I do the Friday show with Tambo now, and that's really helped me in terms of understanding what I'm trying to do with Tam- Tambo has good threads on, on NFL DFS legit. Like he has, he has very good plus EV advice, I think. Yeah, and he I, I like what he does. I remember I was talking to him when he was starting that because he started it with golf and now it's into football. It's like the best way you can do this is like start your thread, promote run pure because you work for run pure, but don't be afraid to like involve people from other sites too. Like yeah. I find that's always been one of the downfalls of this industry. Of the paywall stuff. Yeah. Of the of the paywall stuff and just sites not working with other sites. I remember talking to Big T about this. Uh, I mean, when I was at FTN, I talked about it. I talked about it with, like, I talk about it with Raza all the time over at, I guess, Stochastic now, formerly Osmo. I was talking to Big T about it. I was like, look, the people who subscribe to your site probably all subscribe to all the sites. Like, you're not, it, it's, you're not a battle for just a, like a finite amount of people. This market is still, although DFS seems to be put on the back burner, it's still always growing. And people are going to pay for these subscriptions. Like you don't need to box out everyone else. Like what you can do working in conjunction with one other site might, hey, someone from the other site might see you and be like, oh, geez, I like this guy. Maybe I'll subscribe to that too. Like you can help each other out doing this. And that was always my goal with the network was like try to involve people from as many sites as possible. People just don't want that. Well, and I mean, that's something that happens in like the real business world all the time is is competitors, you know, kind of working together or or like forming a synergy. I guess it would depend on the industry, like obviously like Nike and Adidas are not, but there are there are all kinds of like, you know, boutique style brands that collaborate with with larger brands all the time. Um, What about uh, what what about uh, have you gotten in? I, I assume you have to be a big same game parlayer. I, I assume you are a big 150 to one punter guy. No, I'm really not. Uh, I, I just, they're losers. <laughs> but, like, but if, I, but, probably but if, but if you won one, but if I listen, I, I am on my text thread with my friends every single week and there's nothing that the biggest, biggest money losers love than same game parlays. I, I hit one in week three for a lot of money and have been chasing it ever since yeah no I, I can see that i can see how it can suck you in i can see how it's fun and it is fun if you're like i, I do a same game parlay show with uh, rob pizzola's site the hammer and i do it with a guy uh at spreadopedia and he always wants to make like the 200 to one same game parlay it's like i i I, I i i like him he's uh he, he's uh that guy's funny oh, on yes. twitter he, he's super chill uh, but I'm like, oh, like we'll build a parlay. It's like, yeah, here's my same game parlay. It has two legs and it pl- pays like plus 175. Like, I like this one. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to throw in this guy who doesn't play to score a touchdown. It's like, okay. <laughs> I like, um, basically, basically what I do is on Sunday mornings is I just build them with overs of all the guys I like in DFS. See, is, I, is... I, I, I've been cleaning up on prize picks this year. And if, S- if... Sammy, Sammy and Nate love prize picks love prize picks well you can just uh, you can demolish stale lines at prize picks like if your projections are good you can crush them 
uh, just especially earlier on in the week, if you have a good sense of where the injuries are going to go. I mean, that's what run the Sims, like at run the Sims, we actually have a prize picks tool to tell you, like, I'm just looking at it right now. Like there's a prize picks prop up for Monday night football. That is a, you know, per the Sims is an 85% winner. And like, there's, there's some up there that'll be like 96% throughout the course of the week. Like you really want to get on this side of this one now, not to say, obviously it's not a hundred percent. It's not a guaranteed winner, but they're just nice, like building blocks that you can go to. And I've just been, and even that I've been resisting the urge to get too greedy with it. Like I'll play my two plays, two plays, like 200 bucks to pay 600 bucks, play like seven of those a week and win like five of them. It's like, all right, great. This is fantastic. Just the, the, the culling down, like, not playing the 40 lineups in DraftKings, spending the same amount of money, but only playing in three contests with three lineups, not playing parlays, betting single games, single props. Yes, I know that prize picks is a parlay, but it's a little bit different yeah. than just going to your book and paying the minus 110 big on it. Isn't, isn't the math that three is better than two because you're laying like minus one, you're laying like minus 140 on the two, but like minus 128 on the three. I, I think Jack Miller did a thread about this the other day. Uh, in terms of playing the three play prize picks versus the two play. Yeah. No, because I mean, I mean, that could be mathematically right, but the way that I see it, that if I put together three props on like a sports book and parlay them together, not as the same game, like take one from each separate game. There are some sites that allow you to do that. You're usually over five to one on your money with that. And you're not at prize picks. You're only at five to one. And it's really just four to one. Uh, it's really plus 400, although it says five X because it returns your money back. So I feel like sure. the three so the three parlay prop piece, if that's the way that you wanted to go on a sports book, would be the way to go. The thing that I like about it is like I had Richard White two weeks ago and he got like half a yard over his receiving total. That was one of the strongest plays that I had identified. Now he got there. That's great. But to bet his over 11 and a half receiving yards at the sports book was minus 180. But it's just a piece of your prop card on. Right. So it I depends mean, that's, on what the... that is, I think, the right way to go about these games on on. Uh, underdog has it price picks has it drafters has it i I think it's gonna be i wonder uh i wonder if if um the the big sports betting companies are gonna work on a game like this like i wonder if if dk and bet mgm and all these companies are gonna start to integrate a game like that i don't think so because i think that's what same game parlays do for them yeah. Like same game parlays have to be the biggest winner for sports books you know you you say that and i kind of thought the same thing too but I, I did see, I, I want to say like a legal sports report thing the other day, which was basically like, yeah, it's a huge winner for them. But the issue is people lose too fast because they're never returning anything. Whereas like if they bet, if you, uh, a losing better could bet sides and totals for a season, like let's say they start it with a thousand dollars and at the end of the year, they could have $500 less just, just betting sides and totals. But the problem is with same game parlays is you, you, you're like, uh, realization of that ev is so low you might you might bet same game parlays every weekend for 17 weeks and not win once and just run out of money that's what i'm saying like it's great for the sports books it's not they don't they don't want you to run out of money they want you they want you to to um maintain the illusion of profitability so that like you can deposit you know every other month or whatever like they they don't want Uh, you to get they don't want you to get to zero dollars because then you'll just be done you know Ah, yeah, and I had not thought of it that way. Yeah, like uh, the 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 illusion of being good at sports betting is a big part of it. Um, and if you have people cleaning their account, like so, sports betting just got legalized in Kansas, and so a lot of my buddies are like getting to sign up for these accounts and everything at the fir- for the first time and getting 
free bets and and uh, you know boosted wagers and stuff. And a lot of them have all already ran out of money. There, it's like the start, September first is when it started. It's October twenty fourth now, and a lot of them are like, "I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore." I mean, that is no different than most stuff in general, right? Like, sure. That's no different than me when I first started betting. Like, I have a better sense of bankroll management now. But that's not, I feel like that's something you have to, you can listen to as many podcasts as you want or read as much literature as you want. You kind of have to lose all your money the first time through. And even the second and third time through until you're like, oh, maybe I should try something different. I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, that, like if That's true in like all forms of wagering is like experience is going to be, experience is going to be the best teacher. I mean, that's true in, that's true in poker. That's true in, in DFS. That's true in sports gambling. Like you just don't really know what you're in for until you, until you experience it. Yeah, I can most definitely see that. So are you yeah. happy with the content that you're producing this year? Because I've been having a great deal of fun. Like, I'm not burnt out yet. Yeah. Although, I, although, if it didn't bring in that big net, I would not cover season-long fantasy football, which uh, I, I, just, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> oh, I love season-long fantasy football. I think because I took such a long break from doing content for it. I, it was just DFS stuff for a while. And doing, like, uh, specifically doing, like, daily baseball and NBA content, I was like, I just there. It's really deflating to just do like a whole lot of work for one slate. And then it's just all gone or whatever in, in three hours. Sure. I, I think it just comes down to my personal preference at this point. Like I'm in my long time keeper league with my friends and like, they're talking about, it. it's like, Oh, this, you're going to beat this guy this week and this guy this week, but we have to keep the stakes low because we got some cores in the least. So like, Oh, I, I could win my 600 bucks at the end of the year. Just that's the stakes that they want to keep it at. It's like, I have multiple thousands in play every weekend. Why the fuck do I give a shit about this? Yeah. And, and, I, like, and then it makes me seem like an asshole. Like, right. I just, don't, I just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's like everyone, everyone in our, our uh, very narrow, very small life experience uh, of the world feels that way. I mean, I would, I have, uh, I have never won. I think I've been in eight years. My my home league with my buddies from college and stuff. I've never won it, and they mock me endlessly for for never having won it. Like, Rightfully so. Probably, like like twenty five percent of our league is big into betting, and like they were formerly the best people in the league. Me and a couple of my other friends, and then ever since like betting took over our lives every single Sunday, like everyone sucks now. Like no one's putting in waiver claims. Sure. Was Kenneth so, Walker on the waiver wire in uh, in your in your league? No, no, our fourteen team keeper league. He was not on the waiver wire. He was drafted in like the seventh round or something. Good, good, yeah, yeah. So there, there's very actually, I actually got out ahead of the game because I still do the. I mean, that's the one helpful thing is I still do the waiver show, so I'm still active with a yeah. lot of this stuff. What who did I pick up like two weeks ago? As soon as there was a sniff of the McCaffrey news, I picked up Foreman. I picked up Kieran Williams off the waiver wire as soon as the Cam Akers stuff came out. So I have a pretty loaded bench. And now I have Michael Carter. So I actually have another starting running back now, which is which is nice to go with CMC, who I actually think is going to be really good for San Francisco. And everyone else seems like, well, you only had eight touches in the game. It's like, okay, it's week one. Oh, he's going to be he's going to be great. It's just not going to matter. For what? For them winning a Super Bowl. Oh, I mean, I think it's a positive for them oh I, yeah i mean he the touches he did get he looked at i fe- it felt like every time he got the ball they were going to get 10 yards but uh, jimmy it just did um you know he's not that guy <laughs> J- jimmy can be like their defense needs to get back healthy again i think they're going to be fine the the nfl is i've been just i've gotten taken the past like two three weeks and like 
sides and totals betting. Like I am nowhere near the mark on some of these games. Well, I mean, I think that, so I think there are multiple things at play. The first one being a scoring is like so far down that a lot of these teams that have been huge favorites just haven't scored enough points. Like it's what unders are like 59% or whatever through seven weeks. And the other thing is that there are no good teams. So you're tricked into thinking a team is good, but there are only three good teams in the whole league and everyone else can just lose to anyone on any given day. Trying to see what I went last week. I got six, six so far through the week. That's better than being like two and 14 or something. Yeah, I, I'm in a, I do a, a, a pentathlon league with Sammy Reed where, where there are a bunch of different categories you score and have done pretty well in the picks portion of that in years past. And I think we're, we might even be in last place right now. It's been, it's been really bad. Yeah, that sucks. I How mean, was, has, has being married, by the way? Uh, I mean, being married is great, dude. Being, being married is, is awesome. It's like all the, you know, there, there's so much content out there about how being married is horrible and like, Oh, I hate, you know, take my wife, please type shit. I'm being married. It's great. Is there, that sounds like real boomer content. I feel like people who are married in today's day and age are actually kind of happy being married. Oh, totally. But like, that's like a cultural, like, like meme though. Like that, like, like you watch any television from like the nineties, you know? Yeah, but I mean, there's a reason that, you know, the divorce rate was like 53% or something like that. Like, people were genuinely unhappy in marriages. But I mean, when you get married at 20, big fucking surprise. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, like, being being married is being married is awesome. I can't, cannot wait uh, for for uh, the, the joint experience of getting the marriage tax break and having someone to absolve my gambling tax burdens as well. That's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be so funny because, you know, she just is a normal person who works a normal job and she gets a W-2 and, and just always gets a tax refund. So it's going to be very fun to explain to her why she does not get a tax refund in about six months. Well, if she doesn't get the tax refund, that means you've won an incredible amount of money gambling. Uh, I mean, you you would you would think, but it just it, it never really feels that way. You know what I mean? It always, it, well, I mean, I guess because I've never... I've never had like a six figure year gambling. So it just always kind of feels, and I'm, I'm hor I mean, horrible discipline with uh, saving and spending money. Um, so it never, it never really feels that way. It just always feels like it's the disease of more. It just always feels like you need more. Yeah. And you're always just putting that money back into play at the same time. You're not necessarily cashing it. I've been very good at very stringent. That's, about- that's actually the issue is I just, I'm never, I'm never withdrawing. And well, I did, I did take out a bunch of money to buy a house, but yeah, most of the time it's just going back into contests. Yeah. I, I've been very good about if I get to a certain amount that I withdraw a certain amount. I want to go on. I talked to, uh, my buddy Reed, who I think owns Betsperts, he did this. Uh, I played golf with him when he came up to Cabot here. And then he did this like Scottish eight day go to all the courses like excursion with seven of his buddies Amazing. this summer. And I was like, how much does that cost? Because that sounds awesome. He's like, I think he said it was like 10 grand or 12 grand or something like that. So now all of my betting and DraftKings winnings whenever I cash it out just goes into an account be like I wonder if I can get enough money just to pay for this trip and I'll be satisfied with that so I've been actively withdrawing money and it keeps me from betting too much or playing too much too like there was a point during the golf season like I won my league I won like 10 grand one week uh the last week of golf going into football I was like if I have this money in my account week one I'm gonna put like six grand in play and lose it all so I just withdrew as much of it as 
to like keep my bankroll afloat so I wouldn't have to redeposit. But I think I took out like nine grand or something like that to make sure that I just didn't overplay. Like some people are very comfortable with pressing a heater. I've done that before. It's never really worked for me. It just gives all my money back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all. That's all. It's just been. Uh, so it was like kind of it's gone. It's gone both ways for me. Like the issue was the the most money I ever won playing DFS when was when I was in college. Uh, <laughs> but it was my job then, you know, like that was the money I was living off of. So it, I didn't get to run that up into like a, a big role and then had a really good season and everything two years ago, but had to take that money out to get 20% down on a house. So it's just kind of, it's just kind of been run bad. And then I, I also put a lot of money into Bitcoin out of my DFS role in, in life, which will be a great decision. Obviously, you know, 30 years from now when it's time to time to hang the old keyboard up, but does, does limit opportunities like in the immediate do you have an out for the content business? Like what like what am I gonna do if I don't want to do this forever? Yeah. Not for real, honestly. Um probably I would I mean I could I'd be qualified to do lots of shit if I ever really, really got sick of it. The issue is I don't ever really want to go into an office to work. I, I don't know how well I would do, but I mean, you know, I could work in marketing. I could go I could go back to school and go get a master's if i wanted to do that i mean i don't i i don't have an out though for sure yeah i don't really either i guess it's like selling my network which it really becomes valueless unless i'm attached to it so yeah so i'd have to go and like you know do my do my two and a half three years whatever it would be with whoever buys it uh keeping up the same quality of course which i would do because i do i mean i like doing this but it's a lot like when you're running your own ship here that I don't know. You kind of look at the future and think like, am I really going to be doing this when I'm 55? Like, no, hopefully not. <laughs> but I mean, that, that does look like what I'll be doing right now. Does, does feel like I will be 55 years old and telling you to pick up Kenneth Walker's kid off the waiver wire. I mean, there's something to that. Like, I mean, I like what I do. So I guess yeah. that wouldn't be the, the worst, the worst case scenario. It's not the worst outcome that, that I could have with all of this, just, you know, bickering with my buddies and I don't know, just the, the level of production. I, I would either need to, maybe selling isn't a bad idea. Just like between Paul and I, just we grind, we've been grinding every day for like six years, like every day that that part of it gets tiresome. Like if I could just kind of like, like this, you know, you send me a thing like, Hey, do you want to go chat? Like, sure. I love doing that. That's fine. Yeah, that's like, great. If that could be my job, like, hey, Pat, just show up and start talking and then we'll handle the rest. That would be great. <laughs> I mean, maybe I because I, I've kind of thought about that. Like, maybe I should start trying to do a shift and be like, maybe maybe try and get into like comment, like uh, like doing like color commentary or whatever. No, there's no like there's here's the thing. There's no money in it. I mean, there is money in it, but there's very there's less money in it unless you're doing it for yourself. Like, sure. I guarantee you that anyone who's in business for themselves in this industry is making 10x what everyone else is making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you get, the, it's like a level. There's, there's half, I mean, not probably not half, but there's probably like the upper 20% that is making like 10 to 20x what everyone is making. Then the 80% that are making 10 to 20x less than everyone else is making. Like, sure. if, but if you own, I mean, we've talked about this a bunch of times. Like if you own stuff, all of a sudden, 
you know, you can realize your returns on that very quickly. Yes. Yeah, that is, that is, um, that is a hundred percent true, which is good advice for, for living in general is, is owning, owning, working for yourself much more effective than, than working for the man. Good, good advice for the proletariat out there. I mean, it, it can be, or you can just be a disaster at what you do. I've seen which, a bunch of people, especially, especially in this industry, I've seen a bunch of people like run their own ship and like they're working for someone else three months later because they ran out of money. Yeah. Which I don't, and I, I, which is kind of like, obviously my fear and my life is so comfortable as it is. I mean, yeah, but I you don't do, know. You do need to get out of, I mean, listen, everyone strives their entire life to be comfortable with what they do and to make sure that you don't have all of these like day-to-day -day problems that affect most of the population. Then you can, you know, come on here and complain about stupid stuff like JK Rowling's like yeah. between you and I, or, you know, Dragon House and Lord of the Rings and shit like that. You don't have to worry about some of those problems because you get to be comfortable. But, you know, being comfortable also stymies. To oh, of, totally, totally. Like I, I, I'm there right now. Like I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do after this football season. Obviously, I'm going to do golf. I, I love talking about golf. Me and Feinberg aren't going anywhere. Having Tambo in studio, I think, is just a, such a great asset to have. Makes the shows much better. But do I really want to do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday golf on my show? No. Yeah, probably not. But what am I going to do with that Tuesday show, potentially Thursday show? Like, I'm trying to brainstorm ideas. I was thinking about doing a draft anything style show where, you know, we just get two random people on, like have you and Raza on with me and we'll draft, I don't know, a, hypothetically Lord of the Rings characters or something. That wouldn't be something that I would do, but, you know, just random topics to give us random things to talk about. I think that would be fun. I mean, uh, that, yeah, sign me up if you need me. If you need me for that, you know where to find me. Yeah, and, and it allows me to work in people I like to have on the show. Like, that's been the problem right now during football season. Ever since I kind of got rid of my DFS every person different week show, like, you would be on three times a year. And someone like Pete would be on twice a year. And Holka would be on. But yeah. I just do it with Tambo every single week because it's super easy. And, like, I'm learning a ton from it. I think the show, having anytime I can have a guest in studio, the show is just inherently better. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, it's more engaging for the listeners. You can play off each other. Then you develop a nice rhythm. So every single one of my shows now has the same person on it every single week for that day which is great for, I mean, really helps us from a scheduling perspective. We know who's going to be on the show. We know what time we're going to film it. Like little things like that really help the flow of my week, but you do miss that spontaneity and having some of the, like, the, like I haven't had Raza on the show since football started. And like, I miss talking to Raza. I miss talking to you. Uh, and so I want to find a way to bring all the people I actually enjoy talking to back onto the show. So I need to come up with a new concept. And I think that, you know, a fresh concept after, fuck, I'm almost at like 10 years of the show now. Uh, so I, I need to come up with something new. <laughs> and I think people enjoy both things. You know, people enjoy knowing the cast of characters that they get and the comfort and familiarity with that. But then they also like, oh, you know, guy X that I like is on the show this week or 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 whatever. Like, I think people like flavors of both. Yeah. And I think it allows me to expand a little bit outside of the normal bubble that I'm into to really go after some guests that I like that I just, I don't really know. Like, uh, I've been doing the show with Costas. Um, Love that guy. Yeah, he's Love, great. But he's I, the I've, best. I've never had Nick on my show, but I, I'd love to have him on my show. You know what I mean? But like, where, where where does he fit into my show right now? He doesn't. Like, I have all the people that I have. So I either have to go on with him and talk about it in very short form. Like, because I've listened to him on your show and he's like, he's a great hang. Yeah. I'd love to hang with that guy. 
Yes, I mean he just is the he's like one of the best dudes ever to just to just chat with. Maybe maybe uh you just start like one of your days is just like a free play. Like like you maybe you make the Tuesday show like it'll just be like you you don't know what you're gonna get. It's it's a box of chocolates. I, I tried that a few years ago. It's funny because the the audio downloads do really well. The video does really poorly. Uh yeah, that tra- that tracks for me. Yeah, but if I put like waiver wire baseball pickups it would do really well everyone likes everyone likes waiver wire baseball pickups oh that's it's the show that i used to do in 2013 uh, Can't it's gonna be it's gonna be 10 years i i you know i started in this business in 2009 isn't that crazy that is i mean that is that is insane to me yeah and i don't know if i would be successful if i tried to get into it today I mean, I could almost. I, I, I would. I was going to say almost for sure. If I started today, no chance. No chance. Do I get the the opportunities that I've got? I, I remember talking to this with Ratcliffe one time at one of those. Did you ever go to the fantasy conference? Uh, I went one year with uh, Soccer Dave. You should go this year. We go hang out in Vegas, play some golf or something. I mean, I would. Uh, I would love. I would love to. Uh, I would love to do it. Yeah, the, I mean, there's nothing actually like more tedious than the conference itself. I don't actually. Participate. That's that's the other thing is I'm I, not, I don't participate not, in any yeah. of the co- like I go to the cocktail stuff. I go and like hang out with people and play blackjack. I don't actually like do any of the stuff. That sounds yeah. horrible. Yeah, who wants to do that? No one. I mean, people there do. There's some real keeners. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and people like trying to sell stuff. The guy. Oh fuck, I can't remember his name. He does the the trophies. A jock smack i think the guy that like owns that site is the craziest dude of all time what a character I- i'm shocked he's not like on shows because he is the best he like he was just down so much money playing blackjack and then i saw him like 45 minutes later and he had this envelope that must have had 20 grand in it he's like oh i went to a different table and cleaned up now i don't know if he actually won or not or he's like my friend who once told me that he won it. He's like, he held up like a hundred bucks. He's like, oh, I just cleaned up at the VLTs. Like, man, I just saw you at the bank machine. You're too drunk. And you just took that money out of your account. That's so like, you funny. You didn't win anything, man. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> so funny. I, I don't know which is which, but he was a great hack. Uh, I mean, I, I guess like that's kind of the kind of the reason to do it is. And I'm sure, you know, playing a business or whatever gets done. I don't know. I, I don't I don't I don't know if that's in my future. Well, what doing the business part or actually going to like the business part is pretty chill like it's you just talk to the other you just hang and then you can form relationships out of that like i yelled at matt deutsch last year uh who was who was with me it was me jen from uh uh from like extra points like the sal's network and it was like uh, Rob Wozniak. And it was just me yelling at Matt Deutsch for starting this like new app. I was like, no one's ever going to fucking listen to this, by the way. Uh, like, why would anyone do this? Now I have a show on it. So there we go. How about so, that? Still that's, not that's certain how... anyone listens to it. I don't actually do it. It's not Nando and Corey Parsons do the Mayo Media show every day on the Better Sports Network. Like conceptually, I think it's a really good idea. Um, it's just, it's a really tough time to like start something new in this business. Maybe that's what this business needs. And everyone just wants to get their, their mitts into it. It's like, oh, there's so much money floating around, but like all the money's funneling to like the same places. Right. Right. Uh, you got, you got anything else now married? How was the wedding? Uh, I mean, you know, before you get married, 
everyone tells you it's going to be the best day of your life and you're like oh is it really going to be the best day in life it totally is the best day of your life it's ama- it's unbelievable there's it's to- it's like not even an experience you can really describe to someone it's like everyone you care about and your whole life is there it's it's awesome yeah i i really enjoyed mine as well yeah but how long you been married like 15 years Nah, uh, five it's past past five oh years. okay all right yeah, yeah pete's I, been I, married forever who has Overzed has been married forever. He's like almost 15 years. Are you serious? Yeah, he's he's fake old. Is he older than me? I don't I mean I don't want to blow up his spot, but I think he actually might be. If not, if he if he isn't, he's very close. Okay. And there's a couple people like that in the industry that are I mean, I mean, if he's close, that's one thing. I'm close too. But there's a couple people that I thought were younger than me that are in like their mid 40s. Yeah, I mean, Pat Pat Corain is thirty six, which uh, blew my mind to learn. Uh, you know, I, I found this out yesterday. Siege is younger than Cust. Siege is younger than Cust. Like Siege is sneakily like around your age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which blew my mind. I how I, old is Cust? Cust Cust just turned thirty four, I think. What is uh What is his most recent new? Uh, complete insanity. Oh, that he can tackle Derrick Henry. Oh, what? Just I, I this he's playing into the bit. He's got to be right. He he was like because he said it in a room of all of us when we were watching football with all of our friends. Then he proceeded to like fight with everyone in the room for like three straight hours about how he could do this. So people think it's a bit, and maybe it is a bit. And he's just really committed to it. But it seems crazy to like it'd be one thing if he only ever said this stuff on the show. And it didn't trickle into our real life, but it does trickle right. into our real life. It right. starts in our real life, then gets on the show. I mean, that is uh that that is like that seems like a Hall of Fame uh cuss level take because it's it's so clearly untrue. Oh, so someone just commented on my live video that just said letting them into majors gives your competitor legitimacy, which you don't want to do. Gotta keep them out. What do people think that the PGA tour run majors? They do, right? Yes, yeah, clearly they have to. Yeah, are people just fucking morons? Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, they, yes they got the to be. Yeah, right? people, people are just morons. It'll like uh, bet, betting on people to be stupid. You will, you will never go broke. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why you need to do the season long fantasy football content. Yeah, I guess, I guess uh, we need to we need to start a uh, a strategy shift. Well, I mean, I, I I actually started talking to Jake from the Fantasy Headliners because uh, I saw their channel is so big on YouTube. I started watching it. I was like, oh, this is like season long advice that's it like there's yeah. no gambling there's no dfs there might be prize picks i don't know because prize picks got their tentacles into everything they've done a very good job of that they've really it's funny because when this first started like underdog had really like came onto the scene and like you know running best ball mania and getting into a lot of influencers and stuff like that it seemed like they actually spent like a bit of money on marketing and prize picks seems like at least for that side of the game has passed it uh i mean it's probably just like a reflection of where i'm at on like my twitter timeline and stuff but i i I do hear a lot of people who are like really into edge seeking and on prize picks but all the stuff i see on twitter is all underdog still see i see all underdog for like best ball stuff yeah 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 but when it actually comes to like week to week during the season i see way more prize pick stuff yeah and they you're you're right they have done a good job of um doing like the the marketing deals like uh i think holka and vetri always have like the prize pick links and like their thread or whatever and don't which forget is, mayo media don't forget i would never forget mayo media 
No, we always got the prize picks on the go. I do the show twice a week now, and Tambo does one. So, and they they sponsor Paul and Cody's MMA show. They sponsor uh, Kenny and Tambo's golf show. So, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff in there. Good promotion. Like it's it's good because you get content out of it, and you get the promotion that goes along with it. And I've really found, and I, I would guess because that's their strategy that they're backing it up, is that like paying quote unquote influencers for content. It's just much better than running like targeted ads and things like that. Like, it oh, it's got to be because you're you're even giving people a way to interact with your app like right away. Yeah, like I, that that's the way that I would want to go about it because I've been trying some marketing strategies, like trying to map them out. I haven't actually put any into practice yet. Of you know, how can I? It's been ten years. How can I grow from this point on? Like, are people really actively seeking out? Like, it, it's got to the point now where. Uh, this is what I was going to mention to you earlier about the Vegas thing. I was talking to Ratcliffe about this and JJ about this. Like we're kind of part of the same draft class as it comes to fantasy football content and being in the fantasy space. And yeah. like Sealy, I would throw in there. And like, you came a little bit, like you came at like the wave of like DFS, right? Like 2014, I want to say. Uh, Yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah. Like you, Leone, um, like that whole group of like, like DFS dink, like DFS focused people all kind of came into the business at the same time. So you'd be sort of like the 2013, 14 draft class of creators. Do you get what I'm saying with this? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. And like I mentioned, like 2009 is when I got in, like, is anyone under the age of 30 relatively like even remotely interested in anything I have to say? I would say no. Right. I mean, you got it. You got to have people who are under 30 who uh, tune into the show. I'm sure that there are, but I would say like the, the staunch, especially because I talk about golf a ton too, that like 25 to 45 is kind of my sweet spot. Like when you look at the, like the key demographics of everything and I skew, it's funny, I skew far older than that and skew far younger than that on like sort of the outlier side of things. Like there's far more 65 year old people that listen to my show than 17 year old people that listen. Well, to also young people have no money. So young people are, young people are not gambling as much. Oh no, but, and that's great for my advertisers. They love it. They're just like, oh wow, you have like rich single people who love golf listening to your show. How much, how much can we pay you to advertise on your show? That would be fantastic. Oh, you actually have like old people too who have disposable income. That's great. So from like a marketing standpoint, in terms of selling ads, that's great for me, but I'm just trying to figure out like, how can I make my show bigger? That's all I've ever really wanted to do. That's why I've never done a paywall or anything like that. Cause I've always felt that paywall hurts you long-term the goal is to have as many people watching your as stuff or listening to your stuff as possible i remember uh i don't know why this still sticks out in my mind but like pt anderson after magnolia was released they asked him about it they're just like someone's like are you making movies for niche like a niche audience he's like no it's like i would prefer that as many people watch my movie as watch a steven spielberg like jurassic park or lost world type of thing he's like I just don't know how to make those movies. Maybe I don't know how to make one of these mass shows, but maybe I like, I, I feel like if I tried to make like a mass marketed show, it would end up being not really like a sellout of what I do. It just wouldn't be my style. And like, I've done that before. Like just, like, I do a show with odds checker now. It's like me, Ross Tucker, Pam Maldonado, Clay Matthews, brother, Brian is on it. Like I am just literally the host of that show. And I'm not like yelling at people and doing that. People seem to like it, but it just doesn't doesn't feel Does, like it a, doesn't doesn't feel like a Pat Mayo production. No, but it's not a Pat Mayo production. So maybe that's the route. I mean, 
Uh, well, I, I depend. It depends on your goals, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's all just the. You say you want more, 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 more. Like, how do you expand? How do you make more money? Like, if I could just do this the rest of my life, like, I'd be, I'd be set. This is great. Like, what I'm doing right now. But like, do I want to be doing this for another 13 years? The same thing over and over. You, you know, know, that's so a problem. That's a problem for us to deal with in the future. Like right now, I'm happy. I'm living in the present day by day. You're, we're not, we're not promised tomorrow. Like if I wake up and I'm miserable, uh, you know, in, in, uh, two years, then, then I'll, I'll come back and reevaluate. Well, I mean, you, you start waiting get, there's the pressure gets ratcheted up a little bit. Once you, you're, you're married now. Like I have two kids now. I got to start thinking about this stuff. I got to start thinking, thinking about my parents and in-laws like, you know, I hope my my dad has like no pension or anything like that. Like eventually, like he's going to be living off old Pat Mayo. So I need to start thinking about that stuff. Like I'm almost forty, so I need to start getting my ducks in a row here. Of you know, how long do I need to do this for that I can make sure that I have the ability to support the people in my life that I love to make sure that they're going to be okay. Maybe that shouldn't be my responsibility, but I feel like everyone kind of feels like that's their responsibility, don't they? Uh, I mean, probably like dads feel that, feel that more dads and, and are, are you the oldest son? I'm the only son. Yeah. Yeah. Old, I'm an, I'm an oldest son. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's like pretty normal depending on the role that you've historically served in your family. Yeah. I mean, between my wife and I, it's kind of like that too, for both of our families. Yeah. So, uh, not, not that they would necessarily need it or even take it, but it's just, but it's, it's, I, I mean, it's just nice to be in that position though. Yeah. But I want to make sure that I am in that position. Like I'm not in that position currently. I would like to be in that position. That's why I start thinking about these, you know, the disease of more, can I get more and more and more? But the issue is too, once you start doing more, like, Oh, if I wasn't making what I'm making today, I wouldn't be able to afford my lifestyle anymore. Like you, right. you do move along. Not that I'm overspending, but just like the, the concrete fixed expenses that I had every month, you know, if, if I started making a lot less, I wouldn't be able to afford it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean that, that, which is, you know, I mean, that comes down to the, the question of like, what, what's, what makes you happy? You know, what is, what is, uh, like, are you, are you wanting to find internal happiness or are you wanting to, are you wanting to achieve happiness and comfort via like externalities and what really matters? And do you want to sacrifice your time for, you know, these, uh, these, these luxuries, these goods and services, you know, that that's a, that's a, a, a core human question that everyone's going to have a different answer to. Well, it might be that no one can find internal happiness and everyone's just bound to be miserable regardless of what you do. Well, that would, uh, that certainly is a point of view that people have. You, you just get the little things, the dopamine rushes that make you happy. And then you're just back to real life. Like, it's funny because I, I don't, it, you kind of hit on it is that it's not that I spend my money on things that are like you know, luxurious or anything like that. I tend to spend money on things that I not necessarily don't have time for, but I just don't want to do. <laughs> that, I mean, that's probably my biggest expenditure is, is things that would cost me time, right? That, yeah. that, that's, that's like, that's like, if it's going to save me time, I'll spend money on it. I don't even really care what it is. Yeah. Like for example, growing up being an only child and only grandchild, I cut both of, I cut my mom's lawn and both my grandparents lawn every week. I fucking hate doing landscaping. I hate mowing a lawn. We were looking for houses when we moved back. I was like, I want the smallest lawn possible. I don't even want a yard. 
because I don't want to fucking cut it. And like the moment we moved in, we have this yard. I was like, I am paying someone to cut my lawn. I don't want to do this. I hate doing this. So I was like, you can cut the lawn if you want, but I am not doing it. Like I didn't work hard in my life to go back to doing the shit that I hate doing. So like that, I don't need to spend that money. I could buy a lawnmower for like 300 bucks and cut my lawn instead of paying someone like a thousand bucks per year to cut it. You know what I mean? Like, but that to me is worth, because I, I just hate doing it. I'd rather spend my money doing that while I have it rather than like, some people like I, I talked to someone the other day and they were just like I don't know, someone was looking one of our friends was looking at a car it was like a sixty thousand dollar car or something like that brand new and someone was like i'd rather just spend the money on a twenty thousand dollar car and put that forty thousand dollars into investments it's like okay eventually you make the money to spend it though right i mean that is that is the point uh <laughs> i mean it, it's it's all about like it's like time preference too like some people would prefer to defer it until later in life like hopefully i won't be working when i'm 75 years old yeah you probably will be yeah i there's no there's no retirement in uh i mean if inflation's gonna be eight percent a year like good good luck trying to save for that oh i have my doubts it's gonna stay at eight percent a year and if it does stay at eight percent a year the market can't be down like 15 percent every year that wouldn't make any sense well i mean many many people are arguing this is a tipping point but also these same people have been arguing it's a tipping point every year for the last 40 years. I bet you these same fucking people were the same people that were real terrified of Y2K. Uh, I wonder. I wonder yeah. what the overlap between inflationary, uh, you know, the scare scaremongers and, and Y2K people were. Who lives their life like that, by the way? I mean, inflation does suck ass. I, I agree with you. It does suck. But this is the tipping point of we're on the precipice of everything in society turning. Like, really? You well, really currencies, think so? currencies do fail all the time throughout human history. So it's like the number one thing that leads to a downfall of, of big organized nations. Sure. And like, weirdly enough, the U.S. dollar versus international currencies is super stronger strong. than ever. Trust Which me. Seems, I, get, seems... I, get paid, I get paid in American and I count out. Uh, the Can the U.S. dollar versus the Canadian dollar over the past like six months has gone up like twelve cents. It's great. How about that? Yeah, I mean, it does. It does. It's. I mean, it's also like one of those things where it's like, it's pretty un. It's pretty uncontrollable, you know. So you just kind of have to deal. Sure, and I mean, all of the rage of. I feel bad. I mean, I don't feel bad. I'm sure they're doing well, but like even you, I don't see you posting about like cryptocurrency or NFTs or any of that stuff. I see the people that like really went all in on this stuff and I kind of feel bad for them now. It just seems like it's a real lonely place these days. Yeah, NFTs were were fun when the number only went up, but I never like I was uh I liked NFTs. I owned a bunch. I sold a bunch. Like, but it was never, it never, none of it ever gripped me the same way that like the actual, uh, like philosophy behind Bitcoin did. I mean, I still buy my Bitcoin every week, still hold it, still never sell it, still think I'm going to retire on all yeah. of it someday. But, but, but again, you no, no one cares right now. No one cares, but you also don't think like, if that's what you're doing with it, you don't think it's a currency. You think it's a stock. Uh, I think it has the ability to be a currency someday. I think that's in in the range, as uh, as as someone might say. Sure, but if your whole goal is just to hold on to it forever, then you hope that never happens and the stock just goes up. Or hope that if someday it does become a transactional currency that I have a lot of it and can spend a lot of it. Sure, but really what you're looking for right now is that as an asset, that it appreciates in U.S. dollars, so at some point you can cash it out for U.S. dollars. 
I hope to never cash it out to US dollars. That would be that would be my hope. My hope would be to eventually use it as uh, an intermediary, but you never know. I mean, there there are a lot of there are a lot of different things that that Bitcoin can be. It's it's already changed in how people have valued it and used it a, a ton in twelve years. I haven't even looked. What is Bitcoin doing? Like okay, still? Yeah, well, it's down it's, three. It's three hundred bucks Canadian today. It's been it's been the same price for like the last three months. Like no like one right, no one cares about Bitcoin right now. Like, like literally, right, it's right, yeah, right around twenty k. Yeah, like nineteen twenty k, kind of depending on the day. Mm-hmm. Which is like whatever. I mean, if I was if I had like you know hundred x leverage traded myself on it, I'd really hate that, but. I haven't, is, so like now it's okay. Is Ethereum still like the number two one? Yeah, yeah. Ethereum, Ethereum, still the number two. Uh, Ethereum just did a big change to how the network works to make itself more palatable to to people, which is a whole thing inside of the the sub niche world of cryptocurrency called called the merge. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it was. Have you met any of these? I've met a few like crypto people in real life, and oh my god, no, thank you. It makes yeah. me not want to ever buy crypto. Yeah, I mean that. I would say probably the biggest argument against Bitcoin becoming like a a, a big reserve currency in the world or like nation states owning it is that the type of people who would become beyond wealthy would be some of the worst people that you know, people you would not want to be really wealthy. Yeah, I mean, you just you just don't want to talk to them. No, no, you really don't. It's uh, it's it's not, it's not a, it's not a particularly good scene. And I'm sure that it's one of these, you know, not all crypto bros, but you know, uh, the ones that I have my uh, limited experience with, not the best. No, I would say, I would say most crypto bros are really annoying to me and don't align with my personal values or philosophy. Oh, you guys have an election coming up? That's coming up, right? Yeah, we have midterm elections in. Shit, uh, under a month now, I think. I think it's November, like no- November like 22nd, I think. People get to be really triggered online about things while normal people just go about their business. Yeah, it's going to be pretty bad. If you're like a left-leaning type person, uh, the, the Republicans are going to win. I think all the big major contested spots. Yeah, but is Herschel Walker going to win? And when can he become president? Because I am excited for that. Uh, I don't actually know about his race uh he's he's like a real crazy person oh yeah i i've been watching like his speeches i saw his debate it's crazy yeah the the what the pulling out like the police badge and stuff i mean that is that is uh somehow somehow it's still less of a slideshow than american politics though or than than british politics rather well i mean i won a bunch of money on liz truss winning her like winning that seat and like becoming the leader and now she's done I don't, that's a, that's like the extent of what I know about. Yeah, I don't even I don't even really understand what's going on. But like I, I follow a lot of British people for like soccer stuff. And they're like, this is the craziest shit we have ever seen in our lives. Like, Is it just going to end up with Boris Johnson being? Oh, I, oh, that's uh, that that's new. I see. I, I thought that Herschel Walker was leading in the polls, but he's not. He's, I mean... he's slightly down. It's like even or slightly down. Herschel Walker winning an election would true. It would really be a sight to see well it would be if you live in like alabama or georgia or mississippi or one of these sec states like if you have any ties to college football just run because you're gonna win yeah what uh the one the one coach one i don't yeah, I forget t- his name tommy tuberville is that his yeah 
Yeah. Amazing. I love football. I can't imagine, like, knowing what I know about football, I can't imagine voting for uh, uh, a, a coach or a player. I mean, just knowing how these guys interact with the world, that seems so insane to me. Well, I just wait till Tom Brady retires, and he's the senator from Florida. Oh, yeah, he's totally going to run, isn't he? Oh, 100%. He might even go back, like, if he can repair, like, he'd actually be, like, a really sneaky asset to running as a Republican in Massachusetts, like being like a right-leaning Republican. I mean, it's Tom Brady. Yeah, you know oh, I mean? he he would, for, yeah, he would he would smash yeah. uh, uh, any, any, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think you just predicted his future. Uh, and I haven't seen much of Trump in a while. I'm excited for that to like really, as someone, as a non-U.S. citizen, I, I'm missing Trump in my life these days. I mean, can't you go get him on, on Truth Social? Is that, I thought that got shut. Is that still a thing? I, I don't know. I never uh, had had an account on it, but I, oh, I, think, yeah. it, I, I think it's still a thing. Oh, I, I just saw that uh, there's this woman. She's the QAnon queen of Canada. Okay. Um, she claims to be the real queen of Canada. And like, she's a legit crazy person. She was just in my area uh, for the first time ever coming to expose how fake news the hurricane was that hit us and left us without power for like a week straight. There was uh, I didn't even, I didn't even know that the, I guess it would make sense that a hurricane would hit the Eastern seaboard and would also hit, but what, what her, her take was that it wasn't real. There, yeah, there was wasn't no real. hurricane. No, no damage was caused. So she came like six weeks after the hurricane. She's like, I don't see any damage. They fucking cleaned it up. That's uh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously like uh, that. That's a big a, a big part of the culture war here in in the United States is just that um, you know all of this all of this uh, climate change is just not real, and that's just how that's just how the world works. And well, you, I mean, the, I, I don't know if if it's a climate change type deal, but she's like houses were in like it hit the bottom of Newfoundland, and there's a lot of houses like directly on the coast. And these houses got swept off their foundation and into the ocean. Wait, there's video of it. That's, That's fake news, apparently. Fake news. Yeah, it's fake news. And, uh, I mean, you got to get your sources right. But she went to these like small areas to like go do all this stuff. And people just were not having it. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, we just sustained an incredible amount of damage. Like, you just go away. Because <laughs> those are those are real people, right? Those are people who under, who are not are not terminally online. So and they're they, not on Truth Social, so they, they had no idea who this woman was. With her, like, there's there's a car that drives around our city, like the Truth Car or something like that. It's just it's all insane. Who is dedicating is, their time to this shit? That's that's a that's kind of where I've arrived uh, recently. It, it's gone from from like hating people who are extreme right wingers to just being like, your life could be so many different things, and you're you're choosing your life to to be like in service of of. It's like these people don't care about you, bro. Donald yeah, Trump, but, Donald Trump don't care about it. Joe Biden don't care about about these big lefties. Like they don't care, bro. No, but I I, th I think it goes more like is you kind of paint them with the right wing brush, and I think that's how people have been painting everyone who's like kind of crazy or like like what Trump has to say. I think I don't think they have any sort of politics. I think they just like being crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's po that's it's, the allure of it. <laughs> you're right. It's not even it's not even. Um, like a like a political thing they just like populism like it's just it's just about saying like whatever is the the most insane thing to say but even as it comes down to like the like you someone you would call a crazy right winger because they they like i mean half these people don't even like trump any trump sold out 
and that kind of thing. Trump yeah, too- isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Trump, yeah. is, Trump isn't crazy enough anymore. So, but the only reason that they like Trump in the first place because he's like, yeah, conspiracies are real. You're right. Yes. And they're yeah. like, I'm all in. I mean, like, couldn't we have just gotten out of his his time in office? Couldn't he just have like like given us some alien shit? Like, how did this guy not tell us whether aliens are real? Yeah, just like yeah, like all the all the uh, classified documents that he had, right? Like the JFK assassin. I thought he was promising that he would release the JFK assassination stuff. Like that, I was very like that would have been a real turn for like the people who really hated him would be like, oh yeah, but he's giving us all the stuff that we really wanted over the years now. Like that's all politicians have to do. Like yeah. you hate them, you hate them, you hate them. Oh, they did this one. Like Justin Trudeau is still in Canada living off the one thing that he did in office. And like, no matter how horrible he gets, when it gets to election time, it's like, well, he said he'd legalize weed and he did. So he gets my vote still 10 years later. <laughs> like, I that's didn't how even, people, that's I didn't how people, even know that that was, I thought weed has just been legal in Canada for like a long time. Uh, weed has been decriminalized in Canada since I think like the late nineties, maybe early two thousands, but it wasn't like, that was like what he ran his campaign on. He's like, I'm going to generate money for the government to balance our budgets, which he never did sure. by legalizing weed. We'll sell it. Uh, we'll get rid of this criminal element. Um, you know, the weed sellers of the world. And we're going to sell it at regulated places. Like you walk into like the liquor store, you can also buy weed there at the same time. Like anyone that you want. Now you can do that nationwide. Each province has its regulation on it, but it's legal nationwide and like he immediately did that as soon as he came into office i don't know if he's ever done anything else it's been legit 10 years yeah i think uh biden was kind of trending in that direction he did uh he he just they just recently did something where they're like letting a lot of the people out of jail who were only in and like minor drug offenses or whatever which is like clearly like a super popular policy and you just wonder why some of these politicians don't just take layups like that yeah, to just take the layups. I mean, th- those points count. It might not be a three, but it counts as two. Yeah, and I mean, the reason they don't take the layups is just because something is popular with the people. Uh, you know, it's not popular with the uh, the lobbyists and and all of the all of the people, the uh, you know the the real decision makers. Well, you should tune into my show this week. Jeff's at Disney, and I I can't wait for these stories because I like disney adults are i find to be like the creepiest people on so Earth. it's yeah it's insane to I, me i, I, I don't get want, it i just want stories of like the weirdest 38 year old man who's by himself at disney world like hugging cinderella is jeff a disney guy or is he just doing it for his kids no he's got two two daughters uh six and four so he felt it was a, a good age to bring them he's doing like the disney character he's going all out he had a really good, good golf him. betting year so this is what he's spending it on I mean, yeah, with that's uh trip trip for the family. That is uh that is uh you know that's why we keep grinding is so we can do stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. All right, you want to get out of here? Yeah, I gotta go record a record a thing here in ten minutes. I'll go for a smoke in between. Smoking less. That's good. Good for you. All right, everyone, Mr. Mayo, thank you for for joining the show. Everyone will be back next week. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. Plus, now through February 27th, ask how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 with 128 gigabytes on us. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Free unlimited line offer ends March 21st. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds up to 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.